Well, hey, my friend, welcome back. Today, I am going to dive into some scripture with you and share some insights that the Lord has shown me. I've been speaking with several guests lately, but today the Lord just has me really just talking to you, just as if we were sitting down, having a cup of coffee or drinking some water and um, just really sharing uh, some insights that the Lord has shown me, really patterns and principles that I use to personalize when I read scripture, how I apply them to my life. So I'm specifically today going to share with you three hindrances and then two major keys that are involved in giving God your yes. See, we're all on a journey of learning to trust and follow Jesus. And it doesn't matter how long you have been born again we all face obstacles and hindrances that cause us to be stretched, to grow and mature. And it's a process of journeying with him that we are going to be going on through eternity. See, God has divine appointments and assignments for you. And he desires for you to become who he created you to be and fulfill your God-given potential. And he has great plans for you. You know, we, we, I've talked about this in the last episodes of, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has plans for you to give you a hope and a future. But we have to learn how to partner with him to see those come to pass. And God is a relational God. He desires to be in such a close personal relationship that we are so dependent upon him to where we trust his goodness and his loving kindness towards us. And he's given us his power and ability through the finished work of Jesus. And so our part is to reprogram our beliefs, to align with his way, his truth, and his life. And real faith requires trusting God. And that's a discovery process that is only found through a personal intimate relationship with the Lord. You know, it's not just reading the Bible and learning the Bible stories. Jesus is the living word, and he wants you to write his truth upon your heart and then to be led by the Holy Spirit, to be Jesus's representative here on the earth. He desires you, the body of Christ, to be an expression of himself to a lost and hurting world. And I believe that our life is a progressive series of yeses, from small ones of just having you know a positive attitude for the day to the really big ones that lead to fulfilling a dream. And so I've been mentoring believers for over 15 years, and I've seen a lot of patterns. And so I'm just going to be sharing those with you today. And I just want to add that if you need help in your own life to break through strongholds, fear, in order to walk by faith, I do offer a few openings each month for personal mentoring sessions. So if that's you, just send me an email and the link will be in the show notes and you can learn more about how I go about doing that. So grab your Bible, notebook, pen, because you're going to want to take notes on this one. Welcome to Created to Thrive. I'm your host, Lori Snyder. If you desire a deeper connection with God, want to know your value and purpose, then you, my friend, are in the right place. I will teach God's word in a simple and practical way 
to equip and empower you to become who He created you to be because you were created to thrive. All right, so before we dive into scripture, I just want to say a few things. You know, I've been talking about our journey of taking steps of faith and the cost of discipleships in the last four episodes. And I've had my husband on, and we've been sharing a lot of our story. And then in episode 26, I had my friends from New Creations Ministries on to share some of their journey of how they said yes to God in order to discover their purpose and calling. And so today I want to give you some keys to saying yes to God so that you can apply them to your own life. Now, learning to walk by faith requires you to deny human reasoning and looking at your natural circumstances. You know, Jesus said simply to follow him. He didn't say logically understand him or his ways. God doesn't want you making calculated responses to him based upon your understanding or human reasoning logic. Yet that is often what we do. We want to know the plan, the details, the outcome before we say yes. And I've done this so many times in the past where I made a yes conditional upon my own understanding and I wanted to know what was on the other side of me saying yes <laughs> before I said yes. I then repented, which simply means change your mind. Repentance is simply change your mind, change the direction that you're going in. And so that is going to be, I'm going to talk first about the three main hindrances, and then I'm going to give you the two keys to walking by faith. Then I want to get into scripture and then really unpack that and then give you more of the juicy details of what those two keys of walking by faith really look like in a practical way. See, everything has to be practically applied. I'm a simple girl. And so God gives me pictures. He gives me simple uh, ways of understanding and applying scripture so that I can see breakthrough. And then I can also help others experience the same. So the first main hindrance is going to be fear and fear of surrendering to God. You know, what what's happening if you say yes? You know, we want to know the plan, the details, the outcome. We want to know the costs that it's going to take and what that looks like. And that is how we are in the natural, just with our everyday interactions with every bit, everyday people. You know, even as children, the default answer is always no. Or why? If any of you have toddlers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, um, you know, the, the lie that I've heard so many people say, and, and I had it in myself too, is that if I say yes to God, he's going to make me go to Africa, and I don't want to go to Africa. Can you relate? Now, that is not a loving father, Unless you desire to go to Africa, like my husband has always wanted to go to Africa and do a mission trip. And I say, God bless you. He will make a way for you to do that. But that is not going to be my plan. Now, unless God puts it in my heart, because it says in, in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, if God puts that grace to be able to go to Africa for me, then I will be able to do it with joy. But that is not God's plan for me right now. 
So the fear of the unknown limits us from God's best. You know, our human brain wants to default to logic, rational thinking, looking to our own strength, abilities, circumstances. You know, it really always goes back to Genesis 3. And if you know me, I'm, I'm going to always bring in Genesis because Genesis means beginnings. And you have to know the beginning of something, how something was originally created in order to understand how to apply it in everyday life. So in Genesis 3, they, Adam and Eve, ate from the tree of human reasoning the tree of knowledge and good and evil, logic. And that is the wrong tree, my friend. So back to the hindrances. Fear is the number one. Two, logic, human reasoning, and then three, natural circumstances. And we're going to unpack scripture, and, and I'll make this more clear as we go. And then the key to this whole episode is two keys to walking by faith in order to give God your yes, is willingness and obedience. So let me repeat that. Willingness, and that comes first, and then obedience. And I base that off of Isaiah 119, and that says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And that good means the best portion the cream of the crop, the best of the best. But the keys are willing and obedient. And I'm going to unpack that into even greater detail. So hang with me to the end. I will try and make this a short um, episode. But there's a lot in here. And when I dig into scripture, we could spend, I could have 10 episodes just on different aspects of the scripture that I'm going to be sharing with you uh, based on Luke chapter 1. But let me just preface this. With willingness and obedience, because we hear a lot about obedience. And I'm all about obedience because that's the only way that you're going to see the promises of God fulfilled in your life. You have to cooperate with God. You've got to partner with him. But where I get triggered is when I hear people legalistically say, you've got to obey no matter what. There's a fear involved with that. There's a fear of punishment, obey or else, kind of the turn or burn type of legalistic pressure to perform where obedience, the way the Lord has shown me, is a love response. And, I, and I've shared this in past episodes before, and I use the example of what the Lord showed me was when my kids were younger, my boys, they're now 19, but when they were younger and I would ask them to do something, let's just say uh, ask them to empty the dishes in the dishwasher, they could obey me but have a stinking attitude about it. And they could be um, having, you know, words and they could slam the dishes into, you know, from the dishwasher to the cupboard. That does not bless me. And I would rather them not do that than having them have the bad attitude. But when they say, yes, mom, we will, we're doing something right now, or they even do it right then, but they have a, a good attitude and they know that I'm only asking them 
because it's part of responsibility of one being in our family and it's just we do certain things for each other and that was one of their chores but it's training them and disciplining them to take care of the things in our household and to be responsible. So there's, they understand that the motive behind me having them do it was not to be a taskmaster and for them to be my slaves and do what I say because I'm your parent. No, it was strictly, we are part of a family unit and we do things to help each other out and we're learning disciplines to grow and mature. Do you see what I'm saying? Love has to be your motive to giving God your yes. And love, perfect love casts out fear. So if you're dealing with fear of saying yes to the Lord, then I'm going to say you've got to experience the love of God for yourself. You've got to receive how much God loves for you. And you've got to look at the finished work of Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection, and that God loved you before you even loved him back. And that God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that word demonstrates is ongoing. It's not demonstrated like God did it once and and that was it. No, he continually is wooing us back into relationship. That's the the job of the Holy Spirit is to draw all people to Jesus because he's our comforter, our helper, our teacher. And faith works through love. So that is going to be my default to anything that you are going to do in faith. It has to be motivated by love. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that, you know, he can speak with the tongues of angels and he can do all these signs and wonders and miracles. But if this motive isn't love, it doesn't profit him anything. So love has to be our driving force. Okay. So those are the two keys, but I'm going to unpack it. So bear with me. So I'm going to read right now. So turn to your Bibles to Luke 1, 5. Now I'm going to read from the um, English Standard Version, the ESV, just because it's it's real clear and simple for this purposes. I personally use a New King James uh, Version for my studying and my reading, but I like the ESV for for the purposes of this because it's more straightforward. So I'm going to share the scripture from Luke chapter 1 verses 5 through 39 and 46 through 49. I could go in many different directions to give you a lot of nuggets because there's so many layers of insights into this. But I want to use the encounter with an angel with Zechariah and an angel with Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I want to talk about those those two keys of uh, willing in in obedience as well as the hindrances. And so I'm just going to pick up where it says that, um, and there appeared to him, which is Zechariah, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And then he's going to go on and and tell him some, some different things more specifically about John, his son. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man. And my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. 
I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which were fu- will be fulfilled in their time. All right, so then I'm going to jump down to... In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give, you, give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And then jump down to verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Okay. Let them encounter the angel Gabriel and representing the presence of God. So why was it that Zechariah had his mouth shut, like he couldn't speak until John was born? If you notice, what did Zechariah do? And this is what so many people do, and I talk to so many, especially women. They look to themselves, and they're like, who am I? And how could this even be? They look to their natural circumstances and they look to kind of their value and their worth of, I am unworthy of receiving this or doing this. And so Zechariah is going to look to his own flesh, his own circumstances. And it's really called doubt and unbelief. He was doubting, how is this even going to happen? Kind of like how um, Sarah did when she laughed at the Lord when he said that she was going to become pregnant. She laughed. And this is where Zechariah could have interfered with the plans of the Lord by speaking doubt and unbelief. And John was to be named John. And Zechariah probably would not have named him John because that was not a family name. And so it was actually Elizabeth who, who, you know, names him John, and then Zechariah's mouth was opened. So power of life and death, you know, Proverbs, what, 1812 says life and death is in the power of your tongue, and you're going to eat its fruit. 
And I'm going to do a whole episode on the power of your words because um, I think it's in Malachi, your words are stout against me, says the Lord. So our words are very powerful and can, again, they're going to reveal what's what's in our heart too. But anyway, back to the difference with Mary, because it sounds like Mary questions the angel as well, but she does it in a different way. Hers is more of, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Like she's like, this doesn't make sense, but there wasn't that doubt in her tone. So Mary is just questioning, how is this even going to happen since she's a virgin? But then the Lord is going to, you know, God, the angel is going to share with her how it's going to happen. It's going to be from the power of the Holy Spirit. And God's word is a seed. And that is, it's going to get planted in her, like that is for us. Our God's word is a seed that gets planted in us. We conceive it. Now here it's a supernatural seed that, you know, God is going to impregnate Mary with her willingness. And it's a supernatural thing. And there's only been one virgin birth, and there's only going to be one virgin birth. And so what Mary does is she doesn't look to her own body, but she acknowledges that I am yours, Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She had to partner with God. She had to give him her yes and that willingness And then it's going to go on down to say, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. So she had the mindset of being humble. And how she responds is, for nothing will be impossible with God. And that means that God's word has the power in itself to complete a thing. And so what Mary does is just say, let it be to me according to your word. She comes into an agreement and she believes. And then she even says, when she sees Elizabeth later on, her soul, her mind, her will, her emotions, her imagination enlarges the Lord, makes bigger, magnifies, and her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. She's looking to God, but she recognizes that she had to be humble, that she was his servant that was humble to do this and knows that God has done it. And it wasn't anything in and of herself except for her willingness and obedience to come into an agreement with God's word. So what are the key takeaways? Willing and obedient. Going back to Isaiah 119. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So here are the key uh, key things to, the two keys are willing and obedient. And then I have little sub keys under willingness. You have to be first willing to have an open heart and seek God to hear his still quiet voice. That is going to be really key. And When you are seeking the Lord, you know, it says that you seek him, you'll find him. Knock and the door will be open to you. Ask and you will receive. That is a process of just daily communing with the Lord and just having that open heart to say, God, I am willing. Show me. Speak to me. You know, Jesus said so often, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He wasn't talking about their physical ears. He's talking about the ears of their heart 
the eyes of their heart, the eyes of their understanding, that inner man that yearns to commune with the living God. The second thing is you have to be willing to humble yourself, to surrender to God's will and plan, and then follow him and not lean on your own understanding. Again, Jesus simply said, follow him. He didn't say, understand him. I say that all the time just to remind myself, trust him. But you've got to trust that God is for you and he only wants the best thing for you. And his motive is love because he is love. It's not duty. It's not striving and performance to obey him because he's God. Yes, he is God. He is Lord. But it's that loving kindness to know he is so good. He has so many gifts to give me that I will never discover unless I'm willing to recognize he is Lord and I am not of my life. And humbling myself doesn't mean that I think bad of myself. Again, like I said, Mary didn't say, who am I, your lowly servant? Like, I am so terrible and there's nothing good in me like so many Christians tend to do. No, she humbled herself like, I I don't know why you chose me, but Lord, I'm your vessel in which you want to work through, so I choose to partner with you. You know, humbling yourself simply means agreeing with God and thinking of yourself less. It's not being... Um, not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less, recognizing God is on the throne of my life, not me. The third one is to believe God and then receive his word. John 6, 29 says, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. You know, and Jesus says in John 1 that Jesus is the Word made flesh. He's the living Word. And our job is to believe him, and he will fulfill it. We've got to receive it, and it's freely receive, then freely give. But we've got to conceive in our heart the Word of God, just as Mary had to open her heart and uh, surrender to receive the Holy Spirit to come upon her to do a supernatural work, we also, it's the same process, we open our heart to receive God's truth, his way, his life. Excuse me. The fourth thing of being willing is to believe his plan and trust in his loving kindness and to push past the doubts. You know, in James, it talks about doubting, not doubting in your heart. We're going to doubt in our head. The key is not letting it get into our heart where it becomes a belief system that's going to present us from taking that step of faith. So we're just going to push past the doubts. I've heard it um, by uh, uh, preacher Jesse Duplantis said, doubt your doubts. (laughs) So push past that. The fifth thing is you've got to step out and willing to step out in obedience and take action. So I want to unpack obedience a little more. So the second key is obedience. Again, our motive must be love and not fear of punishment. And that is going to require trust. Obedience requires trust. 
And in order to trust someone, you've got to know their nature and character in order for you to really develop that trust. And that's where you get into the word and you receive what God's, his true nature, you observe the life of Jesus. You know, Jesus said, when you see him, you see the father. So looking at how did Jesus interact with people? What were his ways? How, what was his nature? Because that's how you see the father. He's a good father. And then believe, choose to believe. You know, trusting, faith is simply trusting and believing God no matter how you feel because he promises a great result. The power is in his word, but the power is in your believing his word and then acting upon it. And then obedience requires a desire to be and have all that God created for you. That is that driving force. Love is the main driving force. And then the second is that desire. God, I want to be the woman or the man that you created me to be. And that I want to have that life in abundance that Jesus talks about in John 10.10, that Zoe, the God quality kind of life that overflows onto other people. And then third thing with obedience is courage. Courage to take a step into that unknown, trusting that God's got your back. He is so for you. He's never going to leave you or reject you. You're his. And that is going to be, again, your life is a series of these little steps of yes. I want to share with you um, real quick, and I know we're, uh, I don't want to make this too long, but I want to give you some practical things of how this actually worked out in my life. You've heard some of the big things, like, you know, how my husband and I um, went to Bible, you know, he left his career and we went to Bible school for two years and didn't work, and how we lived by faith and saw miracles happen of God and, and you know, financial provision and healings and signs and wonders. But I want to talk about the small things because we can easily look at that and go, I can't relate to that because I haven't even done anything. So I want to give you a simple yes and how a simple yes on my part actually became a major turning point in the redemption of my marriage. So my husband and I were separated. This is in um, 2006. So this was in the beginning of May 2006. And we had separated in December uh, that of 2005. And so at this point, we were getting divorced. And we were in the process of uh, getting our house ready to put on the market because, again, we were getting divorced like in June. That was the direction we were going. So he was actually at the house uh, sleeping in the guest bedroom. And we had been, you know, working on some uh, – just some finishing up some remodeling part of the house to get it ready for sale. And I had waken, woken up at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning, and the Lord just had me go out. It was a beautiful morning, and um, so I just went out and went for a walk. And it was real starry and just a clear morning. And I'm just, you know, just praising God and just talking with him as I was walking. And all of a sudden, I heard deep down in my heart, I want you to go back and wake Fred up and invite him to go look at the stars. And I'm like, no, get behind me, Satan. That's, that's not what I want to do. Actually, he said something even more specific. He said, I want you to go wake up Fred, but I want you to lay down next to him, put your hand on him, 
and say, I've made you coffee. Come on and look at the stars with me outside. Now, this was something that was so weird and so random because, again, we're getting divorced at this point. And that was the last thing I wanted to do. I heard this three different times as I kept trying to negate it, trying to say no to God. I didn't understand it. It didn't make sense. And I'm saying no because at first I'm rebuking the devil, think it's the devil. And then finally it won't go away. And so I just said, okay, I will do this. So I walk back to the house. I made a pot of coffee because coffee is his love language. And I went in to the guest bedroom and I sat down on the bed next to him and I did what the Lord said. I woke him up and I said, hey, I'm inviting you out to come look at the stars. I've made you coffee. And he did. And that was a simple turning point in the destruction of the divorce proceedings. Like something turned in my husband's heart that caused him to open his heart to me. And we had a deep and honest conversation out on our deck, looking at the stars in the early morning hours. It was supernatural because there was nothing natural about, you know, our conversation that was like, aha, or anything revelatory. All I can tell you, it was a simple act of obedience on my part and a willingness to say, Lord, I'll go into the unknown and I won't lean on my own understanding. You know, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, we all can quote it, trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your ways, or, you know, lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll direct your paths. So that simple yes was the turning point for us to dissolve the divorce proceedings and to reconcile. And we've been married now almost 30 years. So your life is a series of little guesses, little steps of faith. So what does that look like for you today? I don't know what you're what you're struggling with, what you're dealing with, but I just want you to get quiet. You know, God's voice is in that still qual- still quiet voice. So what is he speaking you to do? Maybe it's just to go next door and talk to your neighbor. Maybe it's you're going to the grocery store and putting the cart back in, you know, it's out in the parking lot and you walk in your cart and putting it in the cart shop bin area. Doing little things. It could be praying for someone. It could just be, hey, send a text to encourage a friend or a family member. But he's always speaking to us, but we have to get still. But I go back to we have to be willing. We have to let down that guard and know that God is so for me. And you have the choice. Love is your motive. And God, it's just a wild ride that he wants to take you on. So I hope this has encouraged you today and that you're willing to take little steps of faith and that God would not ask you to do something unless it was for your benefit and to be a blessing to someone else. And that includes healing, freedom, facing the pain of your past, forgiving someone. Forgiveness is such a huge thing, and I'm going to talk about that here soon, about 
if we really want to experience the life that God has for us, we have to walk daily in forgiveness because it frees us up. It's the gift that we give ourselves. All right, my friend. So I thank you and I pray God's abundant blessing upon you. Hey, one last thing. If you have been blessed by this podcast, there is one thing that you can do that would really help me out. If you've been listening and haven't left a comment or a review yet, would you please do that right now? Your reviews help other people become aware of this podcast so they too can grow deeper in their relationship with the Lord. So right now, go to Apple iTunes, click on Created to Thrive Podcast, scroll all the way down until you see the stars and the review section. Click on that to rate and leave me a review. Then make sure that you're subscribed to the Created to Thrive podcast so you don't miss out on any episode. Thank you so much. This is such a huge blessing to me, and I appreciate you taking time to help me today. God bless.